Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. This morning, let's open up our Bibles. We want to look, first of all, at the Old Testament prophet named Hosea. Hallelujah. We do have children's church available for anybody up to the age of 12. And thank God for His grace. Hallelujah. Let things settle for a moment. And we're going to look at the Old Testament prophet Hosea, chapter 6. If you would join there with me this morning. Hosea, chapter 6. Many of you might be familiar with one of the most famous names in baseball. His name was Babe Ruth. And what he is most famous for occurred at Wrigley Field, October 1st, 1932. With two balls and two strikes at the top of the fifth inning, the Babe called his shot. Lou Gehrig was on deck, and Babe Ruth crushed Charlie Root's pitch deep into the center field seats for a monstrous home run in the face of merciless Cubs fans and the trash-talking bench. The Bambino's called shot broke the 4-4 tie with the Cubbies and powered the Yankees to victory in Game 3 and would eventually win the World Series. It was sports reporter Joe Williams who was covering the series for the New York Telegram who coined the phrase, called shot. Otherwise, it may have been lost to history. The headline ran in the newspaper, Ruth calls shot as he puts home run number two inside pocket. But there was some debate about whether Ruth was only pointing or if he really did call his shot. So 88 years later, 88 years later, the Lou Gehrig biographer, Dan Joseph, unearthed a Gehrig radio interview from October 6th of the same year, and he, he set the record straight. This is his exact quote, Lou Gehrig, who said, he stands up there and tells the world that he's going to sock the next one. Not only that, but he tells the world right where he's going to sock it. Centerfield stands. A few seconds later, that's where the ball landed. He called his shot, then he made it. I ask you, what can you do with a guy like that? Predictions are pretty fascinating, right? And when they come true, they're more than fascinating. They're compelling. Now, there are people in the world that wonder if Jesus knew what he was doing. Well, I want to declare to you that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. Indeed, he called a shot which was even more uh, authentic than the Bambino. It was either April 7th or April 3rd of the year A.D. 30 or A.D. 33 that Jesus called his shot also. He said, I'm going to die, but then 
on the third day, I will be raised. And with that called shot, he changed the world. We've been doing a series on the power of resurrection, and I hope to inspire you this morning with the called shot of Jesus. This is a message I've titled, On the Third Day. This is an Old Testament prophecy that Jesus was calling upon throughout his ministry and that came to pass in his very life. This is Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn, but He will heal us. He has stricken, but He will bind us up. After two days, He will revive us. And on the third day, He will raise us up. That we may live in His sight. Let's pray. Father, we come. By the precious blood of Jesus, I thank you for your word, which has the power to transform our lives. I'm praying that there be people here today that would be renewed in their faith and confidence in you. Lord, that you are a shot caller, and God, that your prediction rate is beyond fail. And I'm praying, God, that you would help us to turn back to you and put our trust fully in you, the resurrected Savior, that from the beginning of time, Lord, you are preparing to do a great work of salvation. We give you glory for all you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. As we consider the historical account of the resurrected Savior, there are some questions that we have to consider. And first of all, we have to think about why there are any Christians in the first place. Now, on a Sunday morning like this, I would, uh, I would tend to assume that uh, most everybody here would believe fully in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet, for the sake of those who may have some skepticism tucked in, uh, and uh, uh, we're not pointing any fingers this morning because I came into the church as a skeptic, not knowing whether it was true, the Bible account. I came into the kingdom unsure about whether Jesus really is who He claimed to be. So I have a heart for the skeptical person. I have a heart for the person who doesn't automatically assume that everything in the Bible is true. I am grateful for the opportunity. Can we just take a moment to remind everyone to silence their phones so that you're not embarrassed? Thank you. Appreciate that. And I want to to give a word to those that might be thinking, is it it really accurate? Is there any reason to believe that uh, Jesus really did raise up from the dead, or do I just need to take that? at face value. Well, I want you to think about this question. Why are there any Christians in the first place? Because according to the New Testament accounts, it would have made more sense that Jesus had zero followers if it's true that he was not resurrected from the dead. Think about this for a moment. The followers of Jesus were nearly exterminated after he was crucified. The founder of this religion was a crucified criminal. Going to the cross was considered to be the most heinous and shameful way to die. The Bible even goes on to say that all of his followers abandoned him in his time of need, except for only his mother. How many know your mother's always got your back? But just his mother and a few faithful women. Everybody else, his disciples, the ones who were the cream of the crop, the best of the bunch, They all left him. Luke 23, verse 49, says all of his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching all these things. Now, you would think they'd be there to back him up, 
but because he was dying in this way, they abandoned him. Luke 24, verse 21 says, this is the disciples that were uh, downcast in their souls on the road to Emmaus. They had just watched the Savior die and they had their heads hung low. And listen to what they said about Jesus. We were hoping that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today's the third day since those things happened. We were hoping that this was going to be the one. But we were disappointed. Turns out, He died on the cross. And in that moment, you cannot underestimate how devastating this would have been to the followers of Jesus. Now, part of the reason that was so devastating was because they had made some false assumptions about Jesus. They thought he was going to be something different than he actually turned out to be. If it was true that Jesus was not resurrected from the dead, if there is no miraculous, I want to tell you there's a better case to believe that Christianity should have died out. Because none of them believed in that moment. None of them had the, had the uh, inspiration to start a new world religion. None of them had the confidence to begin building the foundations for a religion today that is one uh, or two and a half millions, a billion peoples around the world today. They had no idea of doing that in this moment. There's got to be something more than just what can be explained through the natural mind to explain the, the existence of the church today. And that's where the third day begins to be very important and very powerful. In our scripture, the prophet Hosea, Hosea had used these words to comfort a defeated nation. They were people who had felt abandoned by God. They had been defeated in battle. And this is why they're feeling abandoned and lost and broken. In fact, uh, Hosea says, He has torn us. He has stricken us. And they were feeling the shame of the defeat because their enemies had conquered over them. The reason that God allowed this to happen, as always, was the unfaithfulness of His people. See, God, He does allow for some bad things to happen in our lives. And most often it's because... We have failed Him. We've been unfaithful. We've done things that we know are incorrect and that we've turned away from the Lord and therefore He allows the bad stuff to bring correction. Not always, of course. Sometimes bad things just happen. That's life. But there are many times that God will allow correction and, and difficult circumstances in order that we could turn back to Him. Now this is one of the most important Bible texts in Hosea. If we want to understand how Jesus interpreted His own sacrifice and His own resurrection, this was the called shot. It is Jesus who took this ancient prophecy from Hosea and He began to echo it in His own ministry. Mark chapter 9, verse 31. He taught His disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill Him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. This is still early in his ministry. He's telling his disciples, y'all, I'm going to die. But on the third day, I will be risen. Mark 8, 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. 
This is an echo back to Hosea. Mark chapter 10, 33. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn Him to death and deliver Him to the Gentiles. They will mock Him, scourge Him, spit on Him, and kill Him. And the third day, He will rise again. Isn't it interesting how specific Jesus is? Predicting exactly what's going to happen. And it's amazing that the disciples have heard this multiple occasions. I I don't want to take the time to read the many, many, many times that Jesus told them about this. The problem is, they weren't listening. Luke 24, again, verse 46, He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is oddly specific. He's not being general. He's not saying, I'm going to die and then I'll rise. He is saying, this is exactly how it's going to happen. I'll be beaten, I'll be whipped, I'll be scourged, I'll be spit upon, and then I will rise again. But more specifically, on the third day. Now, understandably, the disciples had a very hard time accepting this. This is not the thing that you want to hear from your spiritual leader. This is not the thing that you want to hear from the person who's teaching you all about yourself. Guys, I'm going to die. And it's not going to be an easy, natural death. Right? They say, uh, I want to die like my grandpa, peacefully in my sleep. Not like all the other passengers in his car, screaming and crying out. Some of you get get that later. Uh, But Jesus, he's saying, this is not going to be just natural causes. I'm going to go and be whipped and crucified. It's going to be ugly, man. And, but it's going to be okay because on the third day, I'll be back. I'll be back. The disciples had a really hard time of this. And the reason they had a hard time was because when they looked at the Scriptures, they had a different interpretation of who Messiah is supposed to be. Their idea of the Messiah who is coming to rescue the Jewish people, that he was going to conquer the nations at that time, they thought that he was coming to overthrow the Roman government that was oppressing the Jewish people. They thought he was going to come and kick Herod out of the, out of the king's palace. They thought he was going to come and kick the Caesar off of his throne in Rome. And they thought Messiah was going to come and do a big Jewish hoo-ha revival over the nation and bring us back to the glory days of David and Solomon. That's what they assumed Messiah was going to do. And so when Jesus comes and he starts telling them, no, actually, I'm going to die. It's going to be ugly. I'll be rejected. I'm going to be broken. But it's going to be okay because on the third day. This is very hard for them to receive. The scriptures that display this. Look at the reaction of the disciples for just a second. Mark chapter 9, verse 31, uh, 32. After he says, I will rise on the third day. But they did not understand this and they were afraid to ask him. That's always a bad place to be. If there's something you don't understand, you ought to have a little courage to ask somebody. But they were afraid. Luke 9, 44 says, Let these words sink down into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying. It was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. They were afraid to ask Him about this saying. Again, in Luke 
18, verse 34, they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them. They did not know the things which were spoken. In fact, as Jesus is preparing to go to the cross, now it's getting close to the time in Matthew chapter 16. And from this time, verse 21, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. And Peter, verse 22, took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Now, again, remember, Jesus has been saying this consistently through His teachings. He's been telling them, Guys, I know this is going to be hard, but I want you to be prepared. I am going to be killed. When Peter hears this, he says, No, Lord, I rebuke that. I cast that out from you, Jesus. We don't want this to happen. And no doubt he's speaking on behalf of all the other disciples. How did Jesus take that? Not well. Verse 23, He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. He rebuked Peter because Peter was not listening. Have you ever not listened to the Lord? When He's been speaking to you again and again, and even saying the same thing over and over. And what do we do? Get behind me! Lord, not, no, far be it from you, Lord, to do this thing. And many times the Lord has to rebuke us the same way He did with Peter. Matthew 17, 22, they were staying in Galilee. Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed in the hands of men. They will kill Him, and the third day He will be raised. But they were all exceedingly sorrowful. In fact, this, this point right here, this is the reason why we believe that Judas ended up betraying the Lord Jesus. Judas, all the way, he would have been the one who was most loyal and most devoted. Do you know why I say that? Because he held the money bag. He was trustworthy. He was the one that all the disciples said, if anybody's going to do this thing right, it's Judas. So he's, he's the trustworthy one. Uh, let's let him handle the finances for the ministry. But it was this point in Mark chapter 14, verse 3, where, uh, where Jesus comes into the house of Simon the leper. And as he sits at the table, a woman brings her alabaster flask of costly oil, breaks it on his feet. And it was this, this uh, revelation. Somebody there, the Bible doesn't specify, but we think we know who it is says, why such a waste? This, this, uh, this flask of oil was very costly. We could have taken that and used it for the ministry. We could have sold it and got all kinds of profit out of it and used it well for the kingdom. But Jesus rebukes that sharply when He says, She has come to anoint my body for burial. Burial? No, Messiah is not going to be buried. Messiah is eternal. The Messiah is going to come and rescue us from our Roman conquerors. This can't be. Jesus, you must not be the one we thought you were. Immediately after that happens, verse 10, then Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests to betray him to them. The reason I mentioned that this morning, you better be careful what intentions you assign to the Lord Jesus. You better be careful what assumptions you put on Him. Lord, you better do this for me or else. 
you know, that's not a great way to serve the Lord. We're called to be servants, and He's called to be the Lord. That means you're not in charge, and you don't get to tell Jesus what He gets to do and not to do. You get to be the one who receives from Him, even when He's doing things that you don't understand. So the sin of Judas was not just the betrayal. The sin of Judas was that he assumed Jesus was somebody that Jesus was not. This is what caused him to betray. He said, I can't do this anymore. But over and over in the Scriptures, we see that Jesus made this promise. I'm going to die, but on the third day. The third day. On the third day. Again and again, he made the same prediction. He called a shot. He pointed to center field and said, this is where I'm going. Luke 24, verse 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. This is on the third day. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now this is very important as you study your New Testament. Not only did Jesus rise on Sunday, that first Sunday after Easter, but all, uh, excuse me, six of his post-resurrection appearances also took place on Sundays. It's an interesting clue. Maybe the Lord thinks that Sunday, the first day of the week, is a pretty important day. Maybe he says, if you want to meet with me after my resurrection, you better join me on a Sunday. It's starting to get quiet in here. For the Christian, resurrection is not just one day a year, but in fact it is every week as we celebrate that He is risen from the dead. That He called His shot, He knocked it out of the park, He, he called it, and then He did it. Almost always in the Bible. Sunday is the first day of the week. And this phrase, the Lord's Day, is an interesting phrase reaction they began to call it the lord's day because that was a reaction against the roman custom the the first day of the week in roman culture was called the emperor's day or augustus's day or whoever was caesar at the time they would say the first day of the week that's the emperor's day but the church began saying no this is the lord's day i ask you if there was no resurrection how is it that all of these Jews of the early first century began migrating their day of worship from Saturday, the Sabbath, which has a 4,000-year history, and all of a sudden they're meeting on Sunday, the first day of the week. How did that happen if you, there is no resurrection? How is it that there are millions of churches today meeting on Sunday? Because that is the day that we are commemorating and we are celebrating that the disciples saw their Savior on the third day. How important is it for us to gather on a Sunday, on the third day? Every time we are gathering together the first day of the week, every time we make a decision that my worship is more important than my ability to earn money, when we set aside our other tasks, our other priorities, when we say, uh, me having an encounter with the risen Savior is more important than washing my car and mowing my lawn. We are saying, we're making a statement that the resurrected Savior has power and has authority over my life on the third day. And so as we bring this to a close, I want to make one last point. If Jesus could call his shot back then, do you suppose 
he can still call his shot today. If his entire ministry, he was telling his disciples, I'm going to die. We can't deny that. Uh, It's going to be bad. You guys are going to have a hard time. Oh, but it's going to be good on the third day. His whole ministry. But they couldn't receive it. They couldn't hear it. It said it was hidden from them. They couldn't get the revelation. I want to tell you, the, the, thing about, the nice thing about having a resurrected Savior is that He's not dead. He's still alive. And He still speaks to us today. And His Word has promises that have gone unfulfilled. Now, an unfulfilled promise in the Bible is not a promise that says He'll never fulfill it. It just means it hasn't been fulfilled yet. And that means we need to turn our attention to the promises that Jesus made that have not yet been fulfilled. He called his shot while he was on earth, but, oh, he's called a few other shots that you and I better pay attention to. Anybody here familiar with the Greek word parousia? The word means the return of Jesus. It is used four times in one chapter, in Matthew chapter 24. Verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him saying, When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? That's parousia. What will be the sign of your return? The the idea of the word is that it's a return after an absence. It's after being away for a certain time, your parousia. When is that going to be? When you come to fulfill your promises. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, I don't know guess you'll just have to wonder. Oh, he didn't do that. He called his shot. Verse 27, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming, parousia, of the Son of Man be. Verse 37, As the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man, parousia. Verse 39, And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the parousia, the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus came once. He changed the world. We're sitting here 2,000 years later, having been the recipients of a resurrected Savior. Without resurrection, those disciples are lost and broken people. Can I tell you, when I was a new convert, that fact changed my whole perspective on on the authenticity of the Bible. I had never had that thought run through my brain said, if it's true that Jesus was not resurrected from the dead, then who would the disciples be? They would be broken and lost men who had put their trust in a failed Savior. They must have seen something. You know why they were not broken and failed men? Look at what they went on to do. They went to their graves preaching that Jesus was resurrected on the third day. Each and every one of them paid a price in their own way. They taught other disciples how to pay a price in their own way. They were willing to be martyrs for the faith. They were willing to go to the ends of the earth. They would not do that for a dead Savior. But if they had seen Jesus, if they had seen Him call His shot on the third day, that would be pretty inspirational. The reason I'm saying that is I'm not talking about the disciples, I'm talking about you. Because if you and I can put our trust in a resurrected Savior, then our lives can become far more than just what they are in the natural. Think of the called shot. Peter spoke about it, 2 Peter 3. 
Verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Are you ready for that? Thieves never come in the daytime, at least the smart ones. They come as a thief in the night when they least expect it, when the preparations are down. And what will this day look like? The heavens will pass away with a great noise. Some, somebody said, uh, I don't believe in the Big Bang. I believe in the Big Bang. Will pass away with a great noise. That sounds like a Big Bang to me. Maybe a different Big Bang. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned. Therefore, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for the hastening and the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells that sounds like a cold shot to me so what are we supposed to do today if it's true that jesus rose from the dead if it's true that those early disciples gave their whole lives and even their death to a resurrected savior to establish a church which two thousand years later you are now sitting in a part of along with two billion plus other believers around the world today if he called his shot then He can call his shot now. And that you and I as faithful followers of Jesus, we don't don't have to have the same kind of doubt or fear that the disciples had. We can trust in his word that he called it on the third day. And that there should be no doubt or no wavering in us. That yes, things might get hard in this life. You're going to deal with all the same difficulties and tragedies that other people deal with. But here's the good news. You've got a resurrected Savior. You've got His Holy Spirit dwelling in you. You have the confidence and fear. And this is why, like Wednesday night, I preached that we can be more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. And so don't fall short. Don't let your doubt paralyze you. Don't let your distractions of this world cause you to be less than who God has ordained you to be my challenge for you this morning jesus has already called the shot it's up to us to believe it to trust it and to act on it if it's true that he's coming back that the that the church could be raptured in an instant in a moment of time if it's true then how would that change your life i've asked people before if you had inside knowledge and you know uh the angel Gabriel showed up at your door, gave you a letter that said, the return of Jesus is happening in 24 hours. What would you do after receiving that letter? Say, I'd go see a shrink. No. If it was true that Jesus, you knew for a fact that He would return in 24 hours, what would be different about your life? Who would you call on the phone? How much time would you spend in prayer? And the real question is, how come you're not already doing those things? Because there is no prophecy left unfulfilled for Jesus to return. Are you ready? Are your neighbors? Are your family members? Maybe we've got a few things to do. Because he's already called the shot. Now we're called to faithfully execute his plan and his purpose for the the world. There's still a few nations that need the gospel. 
Are you doing anything about that? There's still a few people in your family, in your neighborhood, at your workplace that don't know. There's still a few things in you that you've probably got to get worked out. If Jesus rose on the third day, he called a shot. That means we can trust him. And I want to challenge you this morning to do that very thing. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Close our eyes as we bring this service to a close. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.